1: Happy Memorial Day, Rick. This is With the First Pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 55. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's Rick Spielman. It's Memorial Day, which means we're doing a Memorial Day mailbag where we answer your mailbag questions. Uh, Rick, if you guys are watching on YouTube, um, I hope you're wearing sunglasses. If you're not, go over to YouTube. You can see Rick's Memorial Day (laughs) celebratory shirt. It's uh, blue with yellow Palm trees and Rick's biceps are a bulging. Rick, so why don't you give us a quick uh, rundown on that shirt and what you're thinking here?
2: Yeah, it's a uh, deep ocean blue uh, (laughs) with pink and green palm trees on it. And I'm getting in the spirit of Memorial Day today. We're going to have a great time with our family. We're probably going to make it a beach day today. And I see you in your black sweater. Just, you know, you have to celebrate when you get the opportunities to come out and uh, get these chances to get a day off, except we're not taking a day off. We're here still doing our podcast on Memorial Day.
1: That's right. Hardcore. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm wearing a a black T-shirt because I'm mourning the fact that I don't live uh, on Sanibel Island near a beach. So maybe one day, fingers crossed, Frick, I'll work hard and I can can even get a, a tiny taste of the life that you live every single day. Uh, if you missed it, Rick and I talked impact rookies as well as impact rookie classes on, the, on last week's podcast. Those podcasts are in the feed. So check those out. As always, you can watch us live on YouTube at NFL on CBS. Give us the old thumbs up while you're there. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, subscribe and leave a five star review. All right, Rick, let's get to the old mailbag because you got some celebrating to do. That probably includes a little golf at some point. Uh, quick. Quickly, how's your golf game? It was great at the end of the draft season. Where are we now in the golf?
2: We're we're in the process of revamping my swing. Oh, so I went out and took a lesson, yeah, which uh was the worst thing you can possibly do. Yep. So the last two times I played in my men's league, which is seems to be I play against uh guys eighty years and older, and who, just who go out and get humbled. Every time <laughs> I go out there, so
1: so I'm assuming you out drive.
2: work on my golf game. My goal this whole summer is to be a consistent 80s golfer to try to hit in the 80s, and uh, I've done it twice. But with my new swing and my new swing oh my pattern, gosh. Uh, I shot a 103 the other day. So yes. we have a lot of work to do this summer. But I have a goal this summer to become a very good golfer, and I will try to accomplish that goal as best as I can.
1: All right, here's the $1 bet, Debo. Uh, Does Rick, over the month of August, average over however many rounds he plays at any course he chooses? Does he average 89, 89 and a half? I'll give him that half.
2: Well, here's what I'm going to have to do then. (laughs) Um,
3: <laughs> I'm giving you two and a half months to get ready. I don't like that already because he already said he's shooting, aiming to shoot every round in the 80s. So that naturally would be a a way. Yeah, under. but he,
1: here's here's the the key words that I heard. When you say and you're not a professional golfer, I'm tinkering with my swing and I'm getting lessons. That means you are so far in your head that this he can be shooting 150 by August if things are if he doesn't tread carefully.
2: I can tell you my last round. Okay, okay. I, I I was on a par five and. I parred the par five. It was 500 yard par five because I could right. hit the ball pretty good. And then all of a sudden, I get into my head and I'm yep. on a par three. It's 148 yards. I'm looking, all of a sudden, you I pull get out my a nine head. iron. I swing out. No, that's uh, about a pitching wedge, but nine. Close to there. <laughs> and so I'm up there. This guy's like, well, God, this guy's pretty good. And I go through my routine and my new swing, and I cock my wrist at the top. Do I do this? Do I do that? Do I yep. throw my hip forward? And my ball went completely 90 degrees to the right. And I hit the people over to the side of me. That was that bad of a swing. Oh
1: no! And that that round's over then. Like you're That's in your
2: head. I over then. Then yeah. that they went on to shoot a 103. This was hole six. So <laughs> did you know I those have people? To work on the psychological part of the game because when I get mad, I go, have this bright <laughs> line and I just want to break everything and it goes downhill. And golf is not that type of game. You know, you've been raised your whole life. And when we played football, is that when you get smacked in the mouth? then go harder or swing harder. Right. That doesn't work in golf. So in my new (laughs) retirement life here with my island shirts and my guayaberas, I am trying to understand that the less the better in a golf swing. So I will work tremendously hard on that. And now that it's a little bit slower period for us, uh, I started pickleball the other day.
1: Well, pickleball is more in your wheelhouse because you can that controlled aggression. But Debo, I'll ask again: eighty-nine and a half dollar bet that Rick yeah, for, over the course of, of August.
3: It's
1: yeah. it seems like a more fair number. All right, Rick, I'm going to take the over. I don't want to wish you bad, but just for the sake of the dollar bet, <laughs> I'm going to take the over of eighty-nine and a half over your average rounds in August. So you have to be true. I
3: think another fun one could be picking an over/under for his best score of the summer.
2: Oh, that's a good one. I thought you were going to say
1: broken golf
3: clubs.
2: <laughs> I already broke three, so <laughs> I mean, finding out golf is a very expensive sport.
1: Yeah, no kidding. All right, so we'll do. Uh, you you like the under eighty nine and a half over the course of your rounds in August?
2: Yeah, and I I will have to, in order to not that you question my integrity, I yeah, will send this a, a snapshot of my gin scores. So they there you are go, in there. All right, Debo,
1: what's the over-under for best rounds based on the information you've heard the last two minutes?
3: I mean, he can have one that just comes out
1: of the blue, like yeah. an 80, 84 and a half. Oh, I might take <laughs> – Why? You... I was going to take the under on that. Is that. Why are you laughing?
2: I, I just don't see that in my future. <laughs> I appreciate, <laughs> appreciate yeah. Debo's confidence in me. I just – you know, now it's going to make me go – like yesterday I was so mad – <laughs> I had some time off. I hit three giant buckets of balls yesterday for two hours in the sun. Which is Yet by the way my hands are all blistered right now.
1: Useless. Like you were so angry that you made yourself worse by swinging. your your hands were numb. You probably you said you have blisters. That's it didn't make any you don't need to hit two thousand balls after you <laughs> Play a bad round. I, I
3: take it back. This guy is a complete head case. He's not <laughs> shooting. He's not breaking a hundred this summer.
2: <laughs> he is a mess. No, yeah. It means I just got to hit more. So I should have hit three hours of golf balls instead of two he's yesterday. Power through it. All
1: right. So I'm going to take the over 89 and a half, Debo, for the average score over the rounds because he's going to have some ones where he gets so angry that he drives a golf cart cart into the to the lake, and then I will take the under of 84 and a half. I think he gets hot one round. He can't even mess it up with his, with his mentals. (laughs) He's going to power through. He's going to be in the zone like Mark Limke back in, uh, what was that? 1991 or whatever. When he got red hot in the playoffs, you'd have a Limke round. So I'll take the under 84 and a half on the single round over 89 and a half for the month of August.
2: All right. I'll I'll take that challenge. And then, uh, that'll, you know, now I know I'm going to have to go do a lot of extra work at the golf range (laughs) and our club is still closed because there's no golf course since the hurricane. Oh. So, but we do have the driving range open and I have to hit golf balls into, uh, the water because the range does not have, it's not a land range. It's a water range.
1: Do they know that you're hitting it into the water or are you just doing it again?
2: Yeah. So I pulled up there yesterday cause I was so mad. So I've been going over there every day and it's That's just, funny. and they're redoing everything, the clubhouse, everything. And a guy came out with a bucket. That was the size of this desk I'm sitting at right now. <laughs> he
1: it's, was madder than you.
2: No, he, he knew he knew that I'm I'd kind of get obsessed with something. And right oh, the now the bucket was for you. The bucket was for me. Oh, as soon as you see me, he goes, I know instead of you running back and forth to the clubhouse, uh digging balls out, here is a bucket. Enjoy yourself. So, so, so if
1: I had to guess. The manager said, hey, bring that bucket to Rick, because if he hurts himself carrying that bucket, we're going to be out 500 bucks a day. So make sure he doesn't hurt himself carrying the balls to the driving range. Smart, smart guy. All right. Let's get this thing going here. Now we have something to look forward to, Debo, over the next few months. I don't know how you ever be, how you ever beat Pete Prisco in golf. Not that he's good, but he's such a uh, little nappy, uh, uh, what's the word? Yappy little uh, ankle chihuahua. buyer.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's a little chihuahua. How, how does he
1: not get in your head?
2: Because Pete is um, – it's it's easy to ignore Pete after you see some of the things that he put out in his <laughs> mock draft this year, the first time I experienced. So now I know that you just ignore it. But Pete Prisco may be the biggest trash talker on the golf <laughs> course that I've ever played with in my life. And then I, it, it's like they get mad. Uh, (laughs) with a bad shot. And I said, Pete, why do you get mad? You just suck. So why (laughs) get mad at it?
1: (laughs) Maybe you need to bring Pete along with you because you seem to have some laser focus when that happens. I'm I'm,
2: I'm gunning for Pete. I'm going to make this track across Alligator Alley from Fort Myers over to Fort Lauderdale. And my goal in life is that I won last year when I played Pete. We played twice. And so my goal this year is to just obliviate him uh, when I obliterate Obliviate. <laughs> Will you learn
1: obliterate obliterate <laughs> obliterate oh, all right let's go we got you you already lost the paramount plus you got the word wrong all right well, here we go first question at Jay John. that's our guy from england my dude johnny um who actually <laughs> weirdly donated a ton of money back during the um the st Jude's telethons so we do right before the start of the season do that a couple years and now he and I are, are, are dudes we talk Soccer, he's a Newcastle fan. Anyway, he says this along. Which genuine contenders still have the biggest position gaps after the draft? Buffalo corners and Dallas running back room feels like issues to me. And I'm guessing, it just, if we start with those two teams, Rick, the Buffalo cornerback situation, just as we you know read this off the sheet of paper here, is a bigger issue in general than having um, fewer running backs in the middle of May because you can find running backs. Cornerbacks are a lot harder to come by. And I'll ask you a general question first that you can answer specifically. Let's say that you're still general manager, you need cornerbacks, you're starting OTAs, and you know nothing's going to happen. No, uh, There's no street free agents available. How far down the road in terms of, okay, once we get a training camp and once these teams start getting um, whitt- uh, whittled down, there'll be some cor- uh, cornerbacks available. Are you looking at sort of fringe players and other teams that you might possibly can have help you then, or are you just worried about what you can do now?
2: No, you, you, you know you're not going to be able to get anyone probably this time of year, uh, you know, unless you go out and trade for someone. And what we did was, as we got prepared for the training camp and preseason, we really tried to look at the teams that had a lot of depth at corner, and then that they may have a difficult cut. So those were the teams that I tried to look at You know, We divided up all 31 other teams uh, amongst all the college scouts, all the pro scouts, and each of us had two teams. And then we would come up with 15 to 20 players on each team that were fourth round or lower or potential bubble players or potential cap casualties. Because still, teams may go ahead and try to uh, make a roster move to make sure they have enough in their budget to get through the season. You know, um, and that's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down sometime. But we really try to hone in on that and where the depth was. And if you're looking at corner on other teams and then monitor that situation as you go through training camp, as you go through the preseason. I always felt that if we had a lot of depth at one position and guys that we may potentially move We didn't want to move him too early because you can't predict the injuries that could potentially happen in a training camp or, God forbid, you lost someone during a preseason game or a joint practice. Um, So, But when you come down to that 53 and now that you have that extra week uh, to get ready for the season, uh, there's a lot of talking going on. And we had a mass, I guess the best way to describe it is uh, cold calls. To all 31 teams and we yeah. divided up the teams and then see if there were any potential deals on needs that we had to fill or that uh, needs that other teams were looking for. And then we'd get together, have meetings, and then a lot of times you'll see a movement or two um, right before the uh, season begins. Wow. But you're not going to go out and get a, a, you know, a Jalen Ramsey, for example, but <laughs> so you really have to dig on guys that have potential to come in and help your ball club.
1: Uh, Let me ask a follow-up is I'm guessing it's not the free for all frenzy that trying to sign a bunch of undrafted free agents becomes moments after the draft. But once players start getting cut in August, is there some frenzied element to it or do you have a, okay, there is.
2: Yeah. I could tell you this, um, that we would get that wire when everybody uh, cut down to the 53.
1: Oh, so Uh, no one gets any like, Early information. Everyone gets the wire at the same at, time.
2: At the same time. So we usually got it uh, from the league or received it from the league around seven seven o'clock, 7 o'clock. All of our reports, which we probably, like I said, twenty reports times thirty one teams. That's a lot of reports. And then we will put them in categories. We will put them into practice squad, potential practice squad candidate guys that you want to claim that would be help improve your roster, guys that maybe you want to work out during the season, or guys that we had no interest in. So we would go through and then the guys that me maybe out of all those guys that we looked at, most of them ended up in workouts or potential practice squad guys that there may be four or five to fill a need that we want to put a claim in on. And uh, when the coach, so we would sit there from seven at night, usually finished about two in the morning, Jeez. uh, probably, you know, I just slept at the office because when the coaches come in the next day, they're getting ready for the season, uh, getting ready for game planning, all that stuff for the opener. When they came in at seven thirty, we would have a meeting with the coaching staff. And these are the guys went through everybody that got cut the guys that we had an interest in and the guys that we felt we wanted to claim. And if we claim the guy, who are we going to cut? Mm -hmm. So it's a whole other process. That's probably the longest day besides getting through the draft and college free agency, the 53-man cut down. And there's a lot of phone calls going on back and forth right before that deadline is where you have to turn in your 53-man roster.
1: All right, so yeah, that actually is a, that's a lot of moving parts because I would imagine the coaching staff maybe likes a player they've been working with all summer, then you have to cut one of these guys to try to get a player that you maybe you like during the draft process. And the last thing I'll ask is, are you going back? Well, do you even have you don't have access to the practice film of other teams, but you have no. to go back and watch the, the the four or five or six snaps they got perhaps during the preseason to get an idea, or you don't care? Yeah, about
2: no, that. you're watching all the preseason snaps that they had, and then you're relying back because you know these guys already because of the draft process, right? So, you know, you probably spend time with them. you have all the draft reports. And then we actually built another board like a draft board uh, with the free agency board mm. and when they were cut and then had them in specific categories. Once we went through the 2000, seemed like 2000 names we went through. And then it's a matter of,
1: are, are all the contracts the same, or maybe you pay somebody a little more like you do with undrafted free agents?
2: Uh, if you claim them, you're just claiming that contract.
1: Oh, right, that's right, that's right. They're so
2: claimed. yeah, you don't have to worry about that.
1: So if that's one less thing.
2: Yeah, that's one less thing. If you don't claim them, then you know we had a group of guys that we would bring three or four guys in that didn't get claimed. Um, if they didn't get signed back to the original team's practice squad. So gotcha. There's there's a whole another process and method to the madness that I don't think people realize. No. Uh, how much time and energy goes into that (laughs) 53-man cut down, not only for your team, but for, uh, you know, trying to uh, look at the league and understanding everybody who was cut. So just like, you know, the 8 million names you have on a draft board, you know, the names that get cut uh, on that 53-man cut.
1: And this is what your pro scouting department does, not the college scouting department, right? Uh,
2: No, our college scouts would be responsible for two teams as well. So while they're out there at training camps at colleges, now it's easier because you can get access to the film. So, you know, they're getting their initial visits at the colleges, uh, but they also know they have the responsibility of writing up um, these players that they were assigned uh, in the NFL. Plus, I thought it was always good for the college guys to see the guys that are getting cut, um, what who's making it, not making it, just That's to help them as evaluators as well. Yeah.
1: Sounds like you're pretty good at your job, Rick.
2: No. I'm just trying <laughs> to make it just an oar in my hand, trying to row the boat the same way everybody else is. Just kind of like right. on the podcast, Debo is ask- You're the co-captain. I'm just at the back. No. To-
1: Debo is... Uh got captain steubing that's the love boat captain i think uh i'm isaac and you're gopher perfect <laughs> why can't i be julie <laughs> you can be julie the cruise director i i don't know you're not a cruise director i'm
2: kind of funny i can entertain people
1: i don't even know what gopher did i made drinks i don't know what did gopher do
2: it, that's what he did he was <laughs> a gopher. Ran,
1: ran around and did stuff
2: yeah go uh, for this go for that <laughs> you like that one huh
1: you
3: know what the uh the love boat is available on ryan Don't say Paramount Plus, Devo.
1: Don't say it. (laughs) Oh, you hate to see it, Rick. You hate to see (laughs) it. Maybe one day. Maybe this is the week.
2: Uh, I don't know. I don't either. It's tough. It's going to be a long summer.
1: Between that and golf, I don't know if you're going to make it.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I was trying to get to bed early last night. My wife came by and she said, you going to bed. I said, no, I got to study for all this trivia stuff. I'm trying to win us Paramount Plus. And right now I'm not doing very – I'm over and trying Uh-oh. to get the uh, Paramount Plus app.
1: You're, you're the first guy getting cut in OTAs at this rate, so you need to pick it up, buddy. Get, get in your playbook, as, as they say. All right, I'm going to ask. I see a question that I know you don't like it when I do, but I'm going to ask anyway. Do you have a a memory that sticks out? If not, we'll move on, of a player that you signed that was cut from another team during training camp that that, that was able to help help the Vikings?
2: Yeah. Boy, I, that's, I'd have to go back because we did a lot of claims. You know, most of them are guys that are going to come in um, and potentially be roster fillers on the back end, depth chart, you know, depth guys. Um, or help on special teams, but I'd have to go back through the rolodex. You know, uh Blake Bell, I remember, was one of the tight mm. ends that we claimed that's still bouncing around in the league. Yeah. Uh, so there are guys out there, and most of those guys are going to be the guys that help fill a need. Uh, they're not going to be the premier guys unless you, tr- you know, trade for one. But it's it's amazing how stingy every GM gets when you're trying to get a significant player right before the season.
1: Oh, like a Sam Bradford, for example.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That was like a nightmare. And then, yeah. Yeah. That's a whole, yeah. That Teddy Bridgewater going down and then all the GMs. Yeah. You know, God <laughs> feels so bad for you. Well, how much for your backup quarterback? Oh, that's a second round pick.
1: Right. Yeah. So- it's like you're uh your, your little uh, dinghy is sinking in the middle of the ocean and, and they can't wait to help you, but they're going to charge you like overcharge yeah. you 10 times to get onto the big boat. All right. Yeah. So let's uh, quickly going back to, to Johnny's original question here. I'm looking now at the, uh, at the bill Steph chart. They have trade uh, white. He's back off the ACL. He played a little bit last year. They have Kyrie Elam last year's first round pick. Teron Johnson's their nickel back. Uh, and then they have Christian Benford, the rookie who played a little bit last year, who sort of surprised in training camp. And Dane Jackson, who's who's been on that team for a few years, but there's not a lot after that. So, is, in the, in your mind, is that feels like a depth concern? Because again, like Teron Johnson's a good player. Kyrie Elam got benched uh, at, at points last year, I and mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. He was a rookie and competing for for playing time. Trey White's coming off the ACL; he's over a year away from away from that now. Uh, I feel like this is probably the Achilles' heel of this team.
2: Yeah, but you're saying Trey White's going to be a much better player after you year removed from his ACL, yeah. and then Elam was a first-round draft pick. So, corners, you're going to have to learn on the, on the, uh, you know, as you go out there and play. And there's no question that he has the length and the athleticism. Um, you know, he's just going to have to get more comfortable. And when you draft a corner in the first round, you're hopefully he's going to be at least a solid starter for you. So. I think they feel confident that he's going to take another step forward. You know, Dane Jackson uh, has been there a while. He's a good backup uh, that can go in there and make some plays when he has to, very good special teams player. So they may have felt com- more comfortable inside than uh, in that building than maybe the outside public perceives of their cornerback position, and that will be determined as we go forward.
1: And looking quickly at the Dallas depth chart at running back, uh, Tony Pollard's the guy. Zeke Elliott still remains unsigned, I believe. He's no longer in Dallas. Then Malik Davis, who, by my count, had a grand total of 38 rushes last season for the Cowboys, so he, he doesn't have a lot of experience there. And then, of course, Deuce Vaughn, who got drafted. His dad's uh, uh, on staff there. He's 176.55, I think, so he's not an every down back for sure. Then they have Ronald Jones. Uh, who played previously in Tampa Bay and Rico Dowdle? Uh, that feels a little light, but again, this of all the positions that you need something, you could get these guys in August and feel a little better. I would imagine, right?
2: Yeah, but I'm I'm thinking Dallas knows they have a very good football team. They were very aggressive uh, in free agency and some trades they made this off season, so they're in it to win it now. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised, you know. The, it, it is a concern for me at running back position right now with Pollard coming off the ACL. Uh, uh, I think Vaughn,
1: he had a broken lower leg.
2: Broken lower leg, whatever yeah. the injury was. That's a concern. Um, and Deuce Vaughn, who's a very good little football player, but he's not a one-two. I mean, he's more of a kind of a, a special cat type category right? Uh, where you can put him in in some situations, but he's not going to be a big back that can – can grounded pound so i wouldn't be surprised if zeke ends up signing back at some point with the dallas oh, cowboys oh interesting so the reason i say that is he's had an opportunity to go out there and see what his market is he's right at the age where the running backs i think he's 28 29 years old going to be 29 where they start their skill set starts to fall off out of all the positions when we looked at the analytics we try to pick uh, what we called a wall age. And the wall age was when their skill set starts to decline. And the running back was the youngest skill position that skill set started to decline around 28, 29. So now that he knows his market's not what it was, I'm sure he's made enough money where he wants to go out and try to win a championship. Why pick up your family and and your roots where you probably have in Dallas and move to some other city? You already know the system. Come in. You know, you're know you going to have to play for less money no matter where you go, but go play for Dallas and help them win a championship.
1: He will be 28 in two months, so you are uh, exactly right about that. Uh, I hadn't heard – I've been paying attention really about what he plans on doing, but coming back to Dallas is an interesting proposition, Then uh, you explain why that makes a lot of sense. What if you leave on – I don't know what Zeke's uh, situation is, but just on your experience, what if someone leaves on bad terms? Uh, how do they sort of put their tail between their legs and come back?
2: Well, most of the time when you make, you know, when you have to make cap cuts or cap casualties, as we refer to them, you try to leave it uh, in a very positive manner. Yeah. Uh, every bet that I had to release, you know, I always left them that we want to keep the door open. You're welcome here. I understand we couldn't come up with the financial package that you wanted. This gives you an opportunity to go out and see what's available. Uh, but, you know, you have a home here. And if you do have an opportunity and a financial package or something that's out there and you want to come back, let's talk through it before you end up signing with another team. So okay. I was trying to make it uh, very uh, open-ended and very positive. Uh, because I always respected those guys that have been there that have put their body parts on the line and and played their rear ends off for us every Sunday that I wanted to make sure if they wanted to come back and we were able to afford the contract uh, that they had a home to come back and finish their career where they started or uh, to come back and play for us.
1: All right, well, there you go. Always doing the right thing, Rick Spielman. Great to hear, Rick. All right, the Madman asks... Staying in Buffalo here. What does the Bills drafting uh middle linebacker Dorian Williams out of Tulane do for the team? So Dorian Williams is a spark plug. Like he is a sideline to sideline guy. He he'll he likes to hit things. Um he's not old school um uh, 6'2, 250, but uh he plays like it sometimes and with that sort of reckless abandon. And they lost um Edmonds to the Bears, I believe. Yep. Tremaine went Tremaine went to the Bears. Uh his brother's now with Debo's Eagles playing safety. So he left Pittsburgh. So right now, if you look at the depth chart, they have Terrell Bernard who they drafted a few years ago. Um, they have Dorian Williams. They have Matt Milano. They have Tyrell Dotson who hasn't played a whole bunch. And AJ Klein, who, who is a, uh, uh, he has a lot of experience and he'll be depth there. And then Tyler Medikavich, also former Steeler. He's a special teamer. If you, as you look down the depth chart there. So, The general question I have, Rick, so when you lose someone like Tremaine Evans, a former first-round pick, who didn't quite live up to the expectations, but a fantastic athlete, huge, like 6'4", could run really well, you bring in a rookie off-ball linebacker. What are the expectations for a rookie playing one of the toughest positions on the defense?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, just reading through uh, Brandon Bean's comments about Dorian Williams, Uh, I think they see him as a weak side linebacker lining up behind Milano at first and trying to learn from him. Your hope when you draft these linebackers that you can train them at multiple positions, whether Mike, Sam, or Will. Um, But when they first come in, you have to teach them one position first. And then as they grow and learn the defense, learn that position, then you can start cross training them. So I don't think they drafted him to be a replacement for Edmonds, especially this year. I think that he'll be more of a backup that will start growing into the position and then help on special teams. But it sounds like they have enough internal candidates, especially Bernard, who they uh, drafted last year pretty early, I think, in the second or third round um and that he's going to fill the shoes of Edmonds and he'll get the first opportunity but I think that uh, Buffalo uh did not actually draft a Edmonds type body or an Edmonds type linebacker they're going to go and maybe they're making some different ad- scheme uh, adjustments uh to the scheme that they were running now that uh, the head coach is going to uh, run the defense it sounds like call the defense uh with Leslie Frazier going on semi-retirement or taking a year off. So they may have a little bit different look going this year, but I think that Williams was drafted as a future guy. Let him learn behind Milano. Let's see how it goes through training camp. There's no question about his speed and his athleticism, but I think he's a weak side linebacker. I don't think he's strong enough yet to learn how to take on blocks. Uh, There's no question about his instincts. So, to me, that smells of uh, backup. Let's learn, develop them, let them go down there and make plays on special teams, and let's see where it evolves as we go forward.
1: Terrell Bernard, third-round pick last year out of Baylor, 6'1", 224 coming out. Um, that's not necessarily screaming, I'm going to take on a bunch of bo- blocks too, but there are guys playing that position uh, at that size. So uh, we'll see how it goes. And as you mentioned, Sean McDermott, former college uh, – not teammate, but I went to college with, with Sean McDermott too. How do you like that?
2: Geez, you got all connections all over the world.
1: So if you add up Mike Tomlin, yeah. Sean, Sean McDermott, and me, we are worth tens of millions of dollars, Rick, just so you know.
2: <laughs> and you're the tens of dollars.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I provide the 10. They provide the millions. <laughs> all right. TXBI five asked, has the Seahawks run defense improved? Well, let's take a look. So, no Jalen Carter. We thought that might be in in the in the plans there at five. They moved off to Jalen Carter. No Tyree Wilson. We thought that might be a situation, but he ended up going to Vegas. There were some foot concerns by some teams. Vegas didn't care. Hopefully, he's healthy and has a great career. Uh, instead, what did they do? So they got Devin Witherspoon to pair with Tariq Woolen. So that doesn't necessarily help the run defense, although it does in some level. Let's start there. So Devin Witherspoon actually does help the run defense, but in a, uh, a unconventional way, right?
2: Yeah, as long as he is – if he's willing, he's more – I mean, to me, he was the most aggressive corner right. as far as uh, run support filling off the edge. So on that outside zone stuff, on uh, anything outside uh, the numbers, the jet sweeps, the uh, like I mentioned earlier, the outside zones, he's going to definitely help them uh, in that area. Uh, but, you know, you have to look at why they were probably going to improve in the run defense. Uh, they went back, brought Bobby Wagner, which I think will be a huge help for them who, uh, man the middle and is kind of the leader of that team. And I really like Cam young, uh, when he came out of Mississippi state, mm. he's a two down nose tackle, not a great pass rusher, but he can hold the point. He's instinctive to get off blocks. Uh, he does have some twitch to him, uh, moving up and down the line laterally. Uh, so I think that Weatherspoon, but cam young and signing bobby wagner will definitely uh help improve their uh their their, their run game they
1: also their... getting jamal adams healthy would be a huge get he is routinely leads defensive backs in sacks because he plays close to the line of scrimmage and he's actually really good as a pass rusher uh so that stands the reason that if he's near the line of scrimmage and he likes to make tackles he'll help against the run as well they got draymond jones from denver uh they got um else they get there? They got uh, – there's someone else I was looking at earlier. Uh, Mario Edwards, they got from Tennessee. They had depth there as you look over their roster here. Uh, Nuosu they got from the Chargers. Uh, so the issue last year was their front seven, and it feels like they did a lot of things to address the front seven. Derek Hall, they drafted on day two, the uh, edge rusher out of Auburn. A little juice there. He sort of feels like a Daryl Taylor-type player. I think Jordan Brooks is battling an injury so we'll see where he is by the time the season rolls around. Uh, but they have a lot of good athletes. Boya Mafe is a guy they drafted last year in the second round out of Minnesota uh, who should improve. We talked about Kyer Elam getting better in year two. You would expect Boya Mafe to do the same. Uh, good athlete. Devin Bush out of Pittsburgh. Uh, didn't work out in Pittsburgh. We'll see how he works out as a backup at the linebacker position. Any of these names among the top, uh, the, the, the front seven, that you think has a, a chance to be sort of a difference maker?
2: Yeah, Draymond Jones, I think that was, uh, he has an opportunity. I think he's a defensive end slash tackle that's not talked about a lot, but he brings a lot of value to him, both as a run defender and pass rusher. And I can't tell you probably how excited they were to get, even though he's longer in the tooth and coming towards the end, uh, to have a leader uh, like Bobby Wagner, who is still very instinctive right, um, and that will definitely sure up that uh, that run defense for them.
1: It is not crazy to think that Seattle wins this division, right?
2: No, not at all. I think yeah. they're going to push San Fr- San Francisco has a very talented roster. um big question mark in the biggest position quarterback. yeah, but not kicker. they drafted a kicker in the first
1: round. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see ninety ninth overall, Mr. Moody yeah. all right. At Stub 67 asks, how do you think the potential rise of the XFL, USFL, et cetera, impacts the recruitment process of NFL teams? So what we're seeing, and our guy Emory Hunt is all over this because he never sleeps and he covers every league on planet Earth. Uh, He'll let you know when uh, a player from one of these other leagues gets a tryout or an invite to an NFL camp. What is the process like from the general manager's perspective when you see these leagues going on? How do you have scouts who have other responsibilities keep an eye on what's going on in these professional leagues?
2: Yeah, that falls under the pro department. So those guys uh, are – they're involved in the draft but not as deep as the college guys. They may be some cross-checking check doing from the pro department, but their responsibility is to cover the XFL, to cover the USFL, to cover the Canadian League, to cover anything coming out of the Arena League. So they are monitoring not only all 32 teams, but also all these other leagues that are popping up. And, you know, so like the XFL, they'll get all the tape from the XFL. There may be three or four or five guys that pop out of these leagues, just like you're covering the Canadian League, like we did. Part of our pro department's responsibility during the season was... They're doing their assign- their teams and evaluating the teams and doing the advanced scouting, but they're also breaking down uh, the Canadian league. So in December, when the gray cup was over, we actually had our Canadian combine. So we'd bring in the top six, seven, eight players from Canada that they wow. identified had a combine during a season when it was eligible for them to work out and try to identify one or two of those guys to potentially sign a, uh, you know once you became uh once they were eligible to sign with us they had to be in their option year so in order for them to for t- NFL teams to look at but the XFL I don't know the exact language but I'm assuming that they are free reign to uh sign with any team after this season XFL and USFL guys might I don't know if I may be crazy here but thinking <laughs> of What would be interesting, like I I asked this question and I didn't get a a direct answer, was if an XFL player, because their season just ended and uh, they didn't get signed by an NFL team, can they jump over to the USFL now uh, since they're playing and the XFL season is over, which I don't think their contract allows them to do that, but especially a kicker or punter, hey, I just kicked and punted in the XFL uh, maybe I can go make a few more bucks and, and do the same thing. That'd be a lot of football, you know, to play you know, <laughs> XFL, USFL and then, Hey, I'm going to go to an NFL camp right after this.
1: Maybe so, you should play in the USFL this season. So you can take some of that aggression out of the golf course and you can channel it <laughs> towards USFL. That'd be fun.
2: Hey, let me ask you, you know, how about this crazy concept. All right. What do you ever think that the XFL and the USFL Whatever kind of play their season simultaneously, and I then like have an XFL champion, a USFL f- f- champion, and then have a the two champions play each other, other for a world title. You could kind of like it. I was thinking back in the day, right when the was the American Football League, and eventually they ended up uh, combining, and that's what became the NFL.
1: Well, that's before my time, but, but baseball used to be that way. The American league and the national league never played during the season. And then obviously you met in the world series or you could call it champions league, Rick. You could do that. Which you can watch on Paramount plus if you knew how to, how to get Paramount plus.
2: (laughs) I know how to get it. It's just, you guys put in a lot of giant hurdles in front of me. Giant. Uh, (laughs) I think it's a conspiracy theory right now. Yeah. That's, Everybody at CBS is holding me back from getting Paramount Plus because they like the idea that I'm the only employee slash consultant at the uh, CBS that does not have access to Paramount Plus.
1: You know what you sound like? You sound like the six-string cornerback trying to explain to his family why he got cut. <laughs> Here's the thing. I was the best player there, but no one would pay attention to me. And now I, I got to come work at the family farm.
2: Well, that's why I have to wear shirts like this, just so <laughs> someone can notice me.
1: <laughs> uh, well, you, the mission accomplished. So let's talk about this. So, so, you know, baseball has minor leagues. NBA has minor leagues. Uh, professional soccer, they loan players out, young players, they want to get experience. Is there a benefit, maybe not necessarily for skill position players, but for spe- uh, specifically quarterbacks to get as many reps as possible, no matter the league?
2: Yeah, that was a big question. and. um when some of the committees that I served on, it was like, is it worth developing a minor league system? And, but the cost was kind of, you know, they tried to do it with the NFL Europe, um, you know, when they had that going on, but it was, it, is the cost worth it? But now I'm just seeing with all this XFL, USL stuff, guys that maybe not be ready or, Get a chance to be NFL players. Uh, maybe some of these guys do service like a Kirk Warner, uh right. who 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 uh you know was a nobody really till he we went and got experience in the uh NFL Europe and then ended up getting his opportunity when Trent Green went down with the ACL. Do you know this is a this is a trivia, that I was at that preseason game when Trent Williams, they were playing at the I was in the uh St. Louis Rams, the dome they played in, in St. Louis, and I believe they were playing the L.A. Chargers, Debo, or Crack Spot. Uh, boss can check this, but I think they were the L.A. or was the San Diego Chargers at the time in a, in a preseason game, and Trent Green went down. And it was so doom and gloom because they lost Trent Green, but no one knew who Kurt Warner was at the time.
1: So – I bet Stan – that might have been Stan Humphrey's era for the – I'm trying to think he was playing for the Chargers back then.
2: Yeah, it was Dick Vermeule, uh was the head coach of the uh, St. Louis Rams. The,
1: the Rams.
2: Or was it Martz?
1: No, it was Dick Vermeil because Dick Vermeil won the first Super Bowl and then I think he retired and then Mike Martz came in. I think that's okay. right.
3: Rick, who, uh, who laid the hit on Trent Green in Ooh, that cool. game that forced him to suffer the injury? A, a very notable player, future Super Bowl champion.
1: Oh, I know who it is. I'm guessing, but I know who it is. It's a uh, you go ahead, Rick.
2: Can you give me this college?
1: <laughs> I think he went to, did he go to? I don't know if he went to USC or not. He
3: went to a college similar to yours. Are oh,
1: you a small school guy?
2: Whose college? Yeah.
1: Well, we both went to small colleges. So I'm just assuming he meant a small school guy. <laughs> no, no, very, very
3: similar in name to Rick's college.
1: Oh, Southern so- Illinois. <laughs> Yeah, wait, Rodney Harrison? Yep.
2: Ah! Oh, wow, that's why you have Paramount Plus.
1: <laughs> I didn't. Where did Rodney go? I knew he went to a small school. Western remember. Illinois.
2: Western Illinois. Western Illinois.
1: That was a good football player, right there.
2: Was Drink. I right? Were they playing the the uh, Chargers? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Rodney yeah. Harrison played for the Chargers. Rick, come on.
2: How about that memory?
1: That is pretty good. What were you doing there?
2: Scouting. Doing, getting ready for the 53-man cutdown.
1: Oh, that you were doing the, the job that you were just talking about. Yeah. All right. I'm assuming that you had a do not sign Trent Green grade after that game. Why? Because he tore his ACL. That was a joke. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> Sorry, Trent. Former, our colleague Trent Green does a great job in the booth. All right, moving on.
0: The time has come for drag queens to save the world.
1: Drag queens save- At alone down here asks, and clearly this is a Rick Spielman burner account. Hey, guys, as a longtime PFF fan, I heard the great Rick Spielman on there and started listening to with the first pick. Well, thank you alone down there slash Rick for uh, those kind words and for listening to the podcast. Tell your friends as a lifelong Patriots fan, I would like to hear what Rick thought about Bill Belichick and what he would do to fix the Patriots. Well, I can tell you that the first answer is he would fire Bill Belichick. Go ahead, Rick.
2: Yeah. No. <laughs> I think the biggest thing the Patriots have to do is is, you know, figure out what they're going to do offense and finally they hired Bill O'Brien which I think will make a difference. They have to prove that they can be very successful without or post Tom Brady. So it's all going to be on Mac Jones right now. I think the I don't know if they have the greatest skilled players around Mac Jones. They have very good running backs. They have solid, but there's no true number one receiver. Do they potentially go out and make a trade for a a Judy uh, or, you know, another prominent receiver out there? KJ Handler,
1: Cortland, Sutherland, they're all in the Broncos because they have so many wide receivers because they drafted Marvin Mims.
2: Right. And I don't know if if, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is even an option or not, if, if Arizona will look or if if New England would be interested in that. But I think they still need to get some more weapons. They can run the ball. But I'm concerned most about their offensive line, especially at the offensive tackle position. Uh they just I believe I just saw the other day they cut Kajust, uh, who was a offensive tackle out of West Virginia a few years ago. Yep, he's gone. Um, they they signed Riley Reef, who to me is a veteran backup type you know, win signed down there with uh Miami. So It'll be interesting to see what they do with that. I mean, they still have Trent Brown, uh, but who's is uh, who's going to be the starting uh, other tackle? You know, so
1: right, they have Riley Reef at right tackle behind him, Connor McDermott, who's with the Jets last year in a backup role. Trent Brown on the left side behind him. If you can tell me who's behind Trent Brown without looking at the depth chart, I'll, I'll give you another free Hawaiian shirt.
2: I, I can't do that,
1: Calvin Anderson. So, oh,
2: from, I, I know school Texas.
1: Oh, okay, nice. I didn't recognize the name. I'll be honest with you. Then Andrew Stewart behind him, uh, Cole Strange who they drafted in the first round last year had a good season. David Andrews is a center. That's fine. Michael Onwenu uh, out of Michigan, and then after that, a ton of questions. So they drafted City. So they drafted, they drafted Jake
2: everybody in the middle. They, they drafted draft everyone in them. the
1: middle. That's right. right.
2: They didn't draft any offensive tackles.
1: So that that that's a, uh, and again, we were talking about the sort of the the cornerback position with the Bills. Tackles, I would imagine, are much harder to find once cut-down day happens around the league in August. And when it does happen, I would imagine there's more of a frenzy there than any other position.
2: Yeah, it, you rarely see corners. You rarely see offensive tackles that can play um, legit starters that get cut uh, at the 53-man cut-down.
1: And a lot of awesome. times, or at least I would imagine, if those players do get cut, it's because of the the contracts. It's not because of anything else. Right. So yep. then you have to sort through that.
2: Here's the other caveat is that some of these guys that get cut that are vested veterans, you may not want to sign them week one because that if you sign them as a vet and they're vested, then that contract, even if it's minimum, is fully guaranteed for the rest of the year. So a lot of times you'll see teams wait till week two before you sign some of these vested veterans that get cut.
1: The Steelers used to do that every year the last two or three years with Charlie Batch, the backup quarterback. They'd right. cut him in the last after week 4 preseason game and they would just have him hang around and then sign him after the first week 1 game for the reasons you're talking about. And I obviously there are conversations where look this is what we're going to do, so don't go anywhere and I'm guessing if if you get opportunities let us know is, is the situation.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. No, but most of the time you 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 unofficially, hey, we want to try to sign you back. I know you're a free agent. you can't have drawer, you know drawers in the deal or deals in the drawer. yeah, uh, you know you have to wait till they clear and all that other stuff and you can tell them you have interest and usually most of the time they want to come back to where they started.
1: Rules. Think,
2: yeah, so you just got to be careful with the rules there too, but a lot of guys, the best of veterans, especially have been with that team for a long time, probably aren't going to go anywhere because they're not going to get much money anywhere else either. So what did you think about Bill Belichick? You didn't answer that part of the question. Oh, I think he's still one of the premier coaches. Like, I don't know people come in the question of, you know, what he did offensively last year. And if that was the right thing for Mac Jones, they still have a very good defense. I thought that their defense played well last year and they went more, Ryan, I guess, would you say, of a traditional draft where they actually took players that people knew who they were? <laughs> they
1: do have untraditional traditional draft, for sure. Yeah,
2: where they were slotted and they had some very good players on the defensive side of the ball. The question is, can Bill Belichick win without Tom Brady? And Mac Jones is their guy right now, and that's yet to be – and we'll see, you know. But he did bring in Bill O'Brien, who I have the – utmost respect for as an offensive coordinator and he knows Mac Jones. <clears throat> he know he was successful down at uh, Alabama. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of things that try to fit Mac Jones's strengths as a quarterback and uh I think they'll be much improved on offense although I still wish they had a premier playmaker especially at the receiver position.
1: So what do you remember playing against or yeah, playing against Bill Belichick?
2: Oh yeah, like it, I'm trying to think how far back. Well, when I was with Miami, we played against them twice a year in the 2000s. And we played them numerous times when oh, I was. Oh, that's the in Tom Brady. Too. Oh boy,
1: so you've had a long stretch.
2: Yeah. So, and the one thing that made him such a great coach is that you can see they did a phenomenal job of adjusting their scheme every week. So it was hard to pinpoint tendencies. And how are they going to attack you? So a lot of the times what coaches had to do, they had to do in-game adjustments because they could uh, watch the last three games and (laughs) come up with all their tendencies. And we're going to do this when they do this X, Y, and Z, but then it's something totally different when you played them. So I thought, especially on the defensive side, Bill Belichick was a mastermind at uh, doing different things on defensive side of the ball to continue to to confuse the offense and making the offense and forcing the offense to do in game adjustments on the fly, um, but like I said, Bill Belichick's maybe one of the greatest coaches that ever coaches game. There's no question about the Hall of Fame, and probably before he retires, you know, he wants the all time winning record, you know, winning record for number of games won in the NFL, and I think he's closing in on that. So, But it'll be interesting to see with Bill O'Brien coming in how much more efficient and better they are on the offense because the offense was the issue last year, not the defense.
1: Yep. And I'm a Mac Jones guy. I think he's going to – he'll probably be inducted to the Hall of Fame in seven or eight years, Mac Jones, with this Bill O'Brien thing. So I'm pretty excited about that. All right. Okay, <laughs> <Game> dollar. <laughs> no, no dollar. <laughs> out of the Gates asks, does it bum Rick out when he sees guys he drafts he, see guys that you drafted leaving Minnesota.
2: No, it's part of the game. It's and as much as you, you know, it bummed me out when I was the GM there and guys <laughs> left as I was drafting. So, but I understand it's a evolution. Guys get older, guys move on, guys contracts get too expensive. So, as close as you get to these guys, or how much you respect these guys It ultimately comes down to a business and you have to make business decisions. And with a new regime there, I know they're, you know, have their vision of what that team's going to look like. Um, so we'll see how it all plays out, but it's hard to see those guys go because you identify with those guys. But the hardest part of the GM job was also being calloused enough, uh, to make the business decisions, regardless of the player. And and that's probably the most difficult decisions you have to make from a GM standpoint.
1: Yeah, going back to Bill Belichick, that was always the sort of talking point with him, that he'll he'll get rid of you early as opposed to late. It seems callous, but it seemed to be working for that team for a long time. I ask you this all the time. Your first year in Minnesota was 2007 as the general manager, right?
2: You're right. Yeah, I came yeah. in. No, 2006. Oh. And then oh. 2007 draft.
1: Oh, okay. 2007 draft, right. So that's an easy question. I was going to say, who was your first ever draft pick? I mean, that's a home run. That's a Hall of Fame pick, by the Do way. Do I win
2: Vermont Plus?
1: No. <laughs> Can you tell me who your third ever draft pick was? Uh,
2: Gosh. 2007 draft. Adrian Peterson was the first pick. Yeah. Who was uh, I can't. Uh, I the second know. pick was
1: Sydney Rice, wide receiver out of South Carolina. Yeah. Third pick was out of Fresno State.
2: Oh. Third pick was out of Fresno State. Defensive back in 2007.
1: Defensive back, yeah.
2: Defensive back.
1: I'm giving you all the hints I can give you.
2: I can't. I'm sorry. Third round,
1: he didn't play a lot. So I don't know if it was injury or what. Marcus McCauley.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was injured. He was a corner. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Fresno so you State. We got Brian
1: Robinson in that draft.
2: Yeah. He was, uh, we moved up in the fourth round to go get him. Texas, he was, uh, I believe, the premier long or er, shot put champion for, oh. it was incre- incredible on how explosive he was as an athlete <laughs> yeah and, shot put uh, is no joke yeah and uh had a great career for us
1: there you go um all right well I got you on the marcus McCauley one. i was going to give you a paramount plus too if you told me that one but you chose not to okay at skull chester asks would rick consider becoming a general manager again, or is he having far too much fun being a podcast co-host
2: <laughs> to, give, to give all this up? Are you kidding me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've asked you this question before when we were driving around Mobile, Alabama, when you're yelling and the me how to drive the drive, the minivan,
2: I, I, I said, I positive reinforcement encouraging <laughs> you how to be a better driver.
1: My first thought was how can I get Rick out of this minivan? And I said, Hey, do you ever think you might go back into the league? And uh, what's your answer?
2: It was absolutely. I'm done. So, uh, no, but you've had,
1: look, let's be honest. You, it's not like no one called you. People were calling you right away when, yes. when you got fired, right? Yes. Have you gotten any calls in the last few months? Can I ask no. you that?
2: No, I'll just leave it at that. So, um, no, <laughs> I am very content on, uh, living down here on the Island and very content doing the media stuff and, and honestly having a, a great time. And my wife is a very strong advocate for me enjoying family time and enjoying uh being things that i haven't been able to do over the past 30 yeah
1: months. you got to spend christmas with your family for the first time in how many years
2: 30? 30 some years yeah without yeah. going into the office you yeah. went
1: to universal you got to get your harry potter wizard hat on you got to ride all yeah,
2: yeah. the rides yeah it was the first time yeah i ever spend a full uh, christmas day with my family
1: so there you go answer is no we'll see what if a team offered you 60 million dollars a year would you go back
2: no debo's offered me that to stay on this (laughs) podcast debo if debo like cut me you know i'm sure he'd bring me in hey we're gonna let you go but if hey if there's anything out there and we'd like to have you back let me just see if we can match at so i'd uh I uh, 60 million. Right. though you'd have to give that a consideration. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So there is a number. Good. To, good to know. Good to know. All right. But it sounds like Rick's done. That's what he told me in January. I had to believe him. He, he, uh, values integrity over everything else. So I'm not going to question him when he tells us that he, he averaged uh, 85 over the rounds in August and we have to pay him a dollar. We'll see. All right. Mike blue asked perhaps the most important question of the show. How can I be cool? Like Ryan Wilson. Now, Rick, I'll ask you: How cool do you think I am? I guess that's where we should start.
2: What 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 is he describing as cool? What's his definition of cool? I
1: I have a lot of questions as well. Like if this guy <laughs> thinks this is cool, he might need yeah. to get he might need to get There's Paramount aging, Plus to see what cool
2: an, looks an, like. An aging, uh, bald man <laughs> who wears parachute <laughs> pants every day that we were on the road oh, is he, not a cool look.
3: Rick, Divo, we, have, uh, we have a big that... we have a big celebration coming up next month, Rick. For, for oh Ryan. yeah. It's, a, it's an it's an important number for him.
1: Turning fifty, Ricky, believe that?
2: Are you going to be 5-0? Yeah, really? I thought Don't you already that. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, Boy, some of us age differently.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, just so we're clear, Debo, parachute pants—that's what Rick calls joggers. Like he absolutely hates joggers. He doesn't like elastic around the, the bottom of your pants for some reason. He did not like me wearing those on the road.
2: Do you have any other pair besides parachute pants?
1: Yeah, I have a couple. I had to buy some recently though, because I go through phases. I love joggers. He doesn't you know, it's easy, it's comfortable. It's we're at pro days, we're not doing job interviews in a office setting.
3: Well, I was gonna say, Ryan, you need to flash those tattoos that you flashed earlier in the podcast to show, you know, really Yeah, Debo, how you like that? Rick's seen Snoopy, right? Have you seen the Snoopy tattoo, Rick?
2: i i I am uh love you as a friend, but I just purely want to keep it there I don't need to see any tattoos anywhere on your body. Thank you very much
1: to be clear, like Debo, I never wore anything but sweatshirts around Rick because he likes to to flash the guns and I don't want to be out out so I usually had had my arms covered uh and I mean that shirt if that shirt is not a kid's medium <laughs> uh let's be honest <laughs> all I right so help. uh
2: that, that, that was like uh, one of my bad dad jokes, although I'm only allowed to have one today, Debo said, so I can't use it yet.
1: All right, Mike, thank you for the question. I uh, It is tough being as cool as me, but we have uh, a minute left. So, Rick, in this minute, as many dad jokes as you can rip off because Dynasty Burner asked top five dad jokes, so not just any crappy dad jokes. We want the good ones. All right, let's go.
2: Yeah, no, I can only give one uh, because Debo gave me a limit, but you I may squeeze in, in so you two.
1: What get you get in a minute?
2: Yeah, okay, well unfortunately did you know oh God! <laughs> the person who invented the throat lozenger passed away and I went to his funeral but there was no coffin <laughs> oh,
1: God. that's one go ahead we'll we'll rank the ones we get. To that, huh? we'll rank the ones we get to that's one and that one's gonna be pretty low <laughs> was,
2: huh
1: we're gonna rank them go ahead give us give us another one
2: yeah someone told me the other day that's they looked at me and he says, boy, you have a dad bod that says, what are you talking about? I thought I had more. I was more of a father figure.
1: Oh, my God. That's that's somehow worse than the one you just told. Go ahead. What's next? Uh, He's my neighbor it. the
2: other day, right? <laughs> I went to his tool shed and he pointed to a ladder in his tool shed and he said, that's a step ladder. I didn't know who my real ladder was. Oh
1: <laughs> That's slightly better than the last one, but not great. All right, do do another one just so we can have four. And then
2: okay. I'm helping her, learning to help around the house. And my wife asked me if they see, and this is good for you, Ryan. You can use oh, this good. at home. I'll take notes. Uh, my wife asked me, Did you see the dog bowl? I said, I didn't know he can bowl.
1: Oh, <laughs> All right, Debo, which one? And this is tough. Which one was the worst of those? I think I'm going with number two. Number
2: two was terrible.
1: Yeah. What
2: are you talking about?
3: <laughs> I think Rick laughed the hardest at himself at the last one. Yeah. Maybe he was just proud of, of getting through most of them. But, no. Uh, yeah.
2: It's just like my brother-in-law who was addicted to the hokey pokey. It uh-huh. was a tough couple of years, but eventually he turned it around.
1: <laughs> you are never, ever getting Paramount Plus, just so you know. <laughs> ever. <laughs> over my dead body alright so uh, Dynasty Burner I hope that made your day those top 5 dad jokes share them at Memorial Day at your barbecue uh, do it towards the end of the barbecue because they will kick you out if you stayed early um, but uh, that's it thank you Jesus for wrapping up this thing with, with d-, d-, d no more dad jokes
2: <laughs> oh. uh, one more This is to go
1: alright one more for the road what do you got uh, go ahead one much, more for the road uh, uh,
2: yeah how much did the uh, pirate pay for his earrings?
1: Uh, I want to say it's like booty, it's not R. What no. is it? A Buccaneer. <laughs> oh, actually, that's not terrible. That's your best one. That's All right, we're out. I like George Costanza. We're out. That's it. That's a wrap of episode 53. Happy Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day. We'll see you guys next week.